Thank you for listening to the sermon audio podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. Now here's a message from our senior pastor, Brian Bond. All right, how's everybody doing today? You know, I thought I'd take a minute. I know some of y'all, this is your first um, winter weather event here in Texas. And you may have come from places where you're used to cold weather. And I thought that I would take just a moment to kind of explain to you why we do things the way that we do. If you'll notice, people have been running around town the last few days like we were all probably going to die. That's just kind of normal for us. And um, as new Texans, that, that's because the question we all greet each other with in the days leading up to this are, hey, you ready for the cold weather? And everybody goes, yeah, yeah, but we're really not. We're not prepared in the least for this kind of cold weather. And so what you do is, from now on, you may not have this year, but when you start hearing that there's a chance of snow and ice, you immediately go to the grocery store, whether you need it or not, and get all the essentials, milk, bread, potato chips, stuff like that. If you haven't, there's no use going now because the, the shelves have been stripped clean. There's no bread, there's no potato chips, and there are no, of, there's none of the ingredients that you need to make chili, because everybody makes chili when it gets really cold. I mean, I are like, oh man, you know what sounds good? When you get chili, and so that's, that stuff's gone, so forget about that. And then you'll hear on uh, the news, you know, hey, TxDOT, we're prepared, you know, for the cold weather to come. They're not prepared, not in the least. As a matter of fact, there's only one TxDOT truck that goes out, and they call the news, and they all go out and take turns filming it and report back to us that TxDOT is working hard to clear the roads. But when you go out, if there is snow and ice, they will not be clear. They will be terrible. And so you'll just assume, well, I guess they didn't make it to us. And when you get out there, it's going to be anarchy, hysteria, dogs and cats living together, cars everywhere. They'll be in ditches. There'll be people that you'll think, why in the world did you try to get out in this? There will be large trucks that have huge lift kits, giant wheels who will be spinning because they don't actually have four-wheel drive. They just look like it. And so that's what you will get. And you can, you can roll your eyes, shake your head, and go, man, what is wrong with you people? And when they ask you, but I'm just telling you right now, you move to the greatest state in the union. This is how we do it, and so it's right. And so don't fight it. Just join in with us. And when second winter comes, which will be somewhere within 10 days either side of Easter, you'll be prepared at that point when you hear about, and that's your best chance to see all four seasons in one 24-hour period. It will go from 80 to snow in one day, and that'll happen somewhere around Easter. So you'll be ready then. Make sure you hit the grocery store. You tell all your neighbors, hey, you ready for the snow or whatever, and then you'll be a true Texan. So that's just for free. Take that as you want, and that's you know, all I'm going to say about that. As a matter of fact, a lot of our people apparently decided it was too cold to get out today. So um, for those of you who are watching at home, we're glad we have you know, streaming services for you. But part of the reason for that is we don't really have cold weather gear here. Um, you know, we, we, the, what we think is a heavy jacket, three minutes after we get outside, we realize we don't have near enough. Most of our winter stuff is more decorative in nature, you know, and so we're not really ready for that either. But I'm um, glad you guys were here. Glad you braved the cold weather and um, you'll make it through the next few. It's going to be back to flip-flop weather by the end of the week. So just hang on. It'll be all right. But we're continuing today in our series called The Ripple Effect, and that is the decisions that we make, the things that we do can ripple not only in our lives, but in the lives 
of those around us. And, and we're going to talk today about, um, you know, last week we talked about desires and how those come from God, but how when we act on them outside of God's will and God's word and God's way, that it can cause a lot of consequences. And, you know, we get to that point, all of us do, where we try to do better, we try to do right, we try to do good, and then we mess up again. And, and Paul actually talks about this at length in Romans chapter 7. And so we're going to begin in verses 14 and 15. And if you would please stand in honor of the reading of God's word. Romans chapter 7, verse beginning in verse 14. So the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Thank you. You may be seated. You know, the thing about this is, is Paul is, out of all of the people that we see in Scripture, probably the guy that we would say is the most disciplined. I mean, he spent a lifetime learning the Word of God. Whatever he does, he does 100%. He's very zealous. He's disciplined in his life and the way that he handles things and the way that he preaches the Word. And, and to hear something like that from Paul, you're like, well, if, if Paul can't do it, if Paul can't walk that straight line, then how can I? And it, it brings you to that question of well, what does it take to be able to live a life that pleases God, a life that honors God, a life that, that flows with the Word of God? And so there's a couple things I want us to see. First, I want to look at what, what won't get you there, what, which is not good enough. And number one, the first thing, and we talked about it some last week, but passion is not enough. Just passionately wanting to be better, wanting to be good, that's not good enough. As a matter of fact, you know, one of the great lies that the world tries to tell us in all these things is that passion is the, is the, the number one thing to be able to be successful, to get what you want. You know, you hear all the time these stories, well, you know, somebody told me to find a job that you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Well, that's hogwash. Everything that you do that's worthwhile is going to be difficult at times. Man, I love what I do. And there's times when it's tough. That's just part of life. Life can be hard. And you do something, you, yeah, it's great to find what God called you to be and what he made you to be. And when you find that, you, you don't want to do anything else. But to think that there's time that it's never going to be hard, that it's never going to require work is a myth. And that if you could just, well, you just be passionate enough then it'll all work out. It takes more than that. Passion is not enough. There are people that are passionate about things that never succeed or that never get where they want to go. So passion is not enough. Romans 7, 18 and 19. And I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. And so he wants, you can sense how much he wants to do the right thing. He wants to defeat sin. He wants to beat those habitual sins that, that plague him over and over again. But he just can't do it. Wanting it a whole lot is not enough. Being passionate is not enough. The second thing is, well, he just doesn't have enough willpower. If he had a little more willpower. And we think willpower is enough, but, but the thing about it is, Willpower has limits. Now, can it help you? Sure. 
When you're determined to do something, you get up and you, and you start out and, and, you, and you, you conquer this or you conquer that or, or you, you, you're, you're trying to change that, you, you do it and it starts out well and you like the rewards of it. But man, willpower gets tired. There's times when you get tired in life. And in Romans 7, 20, 21, but I, if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. I've discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. So Paul, the, the, the guy that we get most of our doctrine about salvation and about Jesus from in the New Testament, matter of fact, most of our instructions about the church come from Paul. I mean, he's the preeminent scholar in the New Testament. He wrote most of the books. And here he is telling you, hey, I want to do what's right, but I, I, I work at it. I try, but then I fail. And if that's true for him, what hope is there for me? Romans 7, 22 through 24, I love God's law with all my heart. But there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And you know, there, there, there's something about when you, when you do try at something and you do work at it and then you fail, it, it's, it's painful. And sometimes that's why people just, they quit trying. They quit trying to win the battle with sin. They quit trying to win the battle with this or with that or whatever it is because they, they fail and hurts. It's miserable. It's miserable when you put a bunch of work into something and it doesn't turn out the way you wanted it to. It's miserable when you, you try and try, hey, I, this sin, I'm going to defeat it. I'm going to quit. And then you fall back into it. You know, that's one of the things, and I have a lot of respect for people that have that have overcome addictions. But one of the things, the truths that, with that that is so difficult is that you can, you can do so well for days, weeks, months, even years, and it only takes one time of weakness, one time of blowing it, to fall right back into it. You know, how many stories have we heard through the years of people that, 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 were, that chose sobriety or uh, you know, chose to uh, get off drugs. And they worked at it for years and years and did so well. And then something happened. Maybe they let their guard down or maybe they thought they had it beat or whatever. Or maybe it was just a moment of weakness. And they're right back into it. And it's worse than it was before. And so Paul talks about that. And then he comes to the end. He goes, you know, man, I, I, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life? that is dominated by sin and death. You know, I grew up in the church. You know, you probably heard me say before, I had a drug problem. Whenever the doors of the church were open, I got drug right through them. I mean, we went, whenever church was open and there was stuff going on, we went. I mean, there wasn't, it wasn't a debate, wasn't a family vote, wasn't a, hey, should we do this? We went. We went to Sunday school, Sunday mornings, and then church. And then we got home, and we, 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 we were there for a little while, and by the time Disney was about to come on, we had to go back to church. So I never got to watch Disney on TV when I was a little kid, because we were back at church. And when you got back to church, you started with training union. 
And sometimes it would be Bible drill or it would be some other class. But whatever it was, you went, and then you had another church service. And if it was one of those nights, you might even have a fellowship afterwards. I mean, we were up there all the time. And then Wednesday night, same thing. We'd go up there, and when I was young, we had royal ambassadors, RAs, and you went in there, and they taught you stuff, and you had to memorize verses, and you had to do this, and you had to do homework. And you go in there, and they'd ask you questions to make sure you did your homework. I was never a great homework-doing kind of person as a, as a child or a young man or whatever. I didn't do real well with that, but I figured out after a while there was a way, there was an answer you could give that they would never tell you that you were wrong. And so no matter what the question was, if you would just answer Jesus, no faithful, God-loving person is going to say, Jesus is wrong. They are never going to say that. And so if you just said Jesus, even if it was obvious it had nothing to do with the question, they would say, well, that's a good answer, but that's not really what I was looking for. I mean, they'd never get on to you and tell you wrong because Jesus is always right. He's always the answer, right? And even then they couldn't say, well, it's wrong. Because, well, you know, Jesus is the answer to everything. I mean, we sang a song about it. Jesus is the answer for the world. Y'all remember that? Anybody remember that song? He's the answer. That's an old school song. Some of y'all are like, what? I ain't never heard of that. That was a song we sang. Jesus is the answer. We sang it in a song. And you know what Paul says? Who's going to free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And he gives the answer in the next verse. Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. The answer is in Jesus. And you know what? I, you know, I, I, okay, I understand that. But, you know, we, we can kind of give a sin to it, but we don't really think it's the answer. We really don't. We think, well, you know what? If I, I just need to, I need a little more willpower. I need maybe, you know, maybe I need this or I need that. I, I, I just, I mean, how can Jesus really help me with this? Well, the first thing is realizing who we are in Christ. Romans 6, 6. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. The first thing you got to understand is who we are in Christ. We've been set free. Those sins that we feel like even we're helpless against, they don't have power over us because we're in Christ, because he set us free from that. And so we got to remember that. Whenever we're faced with that temptation, wherever we feel like we're about to fall, or whenever we just feel hopeless, like we can't overcome something, Jesus set us free. Now, how do you, how do you live that out? I mean, okay, all right, I say it. You know, just saying it, or, or uh, that's not enough. It's a start, but it's not enough. So what's the way? The way is still in Christ, but here's what we do it is... It's really hard to stop doing something. You ever notice that? I mean, to quit something is hard. I mean, y'all know I've had, you know, three surgeries in the last two or three months, and the, the doctor would come in at the end of one, and then she'd give you the bad news. Okay, now for the next three weeks, you can't have any, and then she'd name off those things. Carbonation, which meant no Mountain Dew, which was hard. 
Or then she'd say no dairy or whatever else. And you know what? At first I'd be like, I can do that. No, not a big deal. But then I found myself within a, a day or so, and sometimes she'd even change it from time to time. And whatever it was she told me I couldn't have, within a few days, I wanted that more than anything in the world. You know what I'm saying? You ever, ever somebody come to you with a diet, and you're like, hey, man, I can do that diet. I don't, those kind of things, I'm cool with not eating those. And you start on it, and before long, you crave whatever you can't have more than anything else. Because that's the way we are. And so just to stop doing something is really hard. Well, I'm not going to do that. And, and so, I'm, man, I'm focused on it. I'm not going to do it. And the more you focus on it, it's like the, the bigger the craving grows. And so the answer is not to just get more willpower to not do something. The answer is this. It, it is Jesus. If you want to be able to overcome those things, the answer is to pursue him. It's to pursue that relationship. What does that mean? How do I do that? Ephesians, excuse me, Psalm 27, 8. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I'm coming. You know, you know what God wants with us? The reason he sent Jesus is so that we could know him and that we could be in his presence. You know, that's the way it was in the Garden of Eden. God would come down to the garden and, and Adam and Eve would walk with God and talk with him face to face. And then sin separated them. And Jesus is the answer to eliminate that separation. And the secret to living a life that pleases God is by pursuing that relationship with Jesus. And so what does it start? Come and talk with me. You know, most of us, those of us who are married, if, if I came and asked you, how's your relationship going? How's your wife doing? You said, well, I haven't spoken to her in like a month. Well, y'all still together? Yeah, we're, we just don't talk. We don't communicate. That's, a, that's not a good sign. I don't know if y'all know that. That's not good. Because if you're going to have a relationship with someone, you should be communicating with them. But I don't know, it's God. I can't see him. How do I communicate with him? Well, you talk to him. Okay, so I need to go somewhere and get on my hands and knees and kneel. No, you know what Paul said to pray without ceasing? That didn't mean you go off by yourself. It meant that you had an ongoing conversation through the day. You talk to God. Some of y'all, there's maybe all of us, you got something in your heart that's been bugging you, that you've been wrestling with, that you're thinking about, or you're, you're, you're worried about it, or you're afraid of it, or whatever, and, and that's, going, that's been going through your mind for a while now, and you ain't talked to God about it yet. So guess what? The solution for that, or the answer for that, you haven't even started it. It doesn't even start until you talk to the Lord. You know what God says? Come and talk with me. It says all through the New Testament, hey, bring me your requests. Let me know. Talk to me about it. And you're like, well, he already knows. Yeah, he already knows. But you talk to him. You communicate. You have a conversation with God. And you know what? There's something about that relationship, the more it grows, 
the stronger it gets, the easier it is to not even look at temptation. The second thing is this, and one of those things that I know we're in a different generation, and I understand, you know, y'all, one of the things that y'all have no idea how much, how much opportunity you have, and that you, you're able to have a Bible with you. If you have one of these, you can have a Bible app. You can have access to the whole Word of God anytime, wherever you are. You know, one of the things, and, and I, I would encourage you to do this anyway, but one of the things that I did when, as a kid was we memorized Scripture. We used to do Bible drill, and that was, you know, you stand up and you'd have to find a verse, or you'd have to, to and then you'd have to quote part of that verse. You'd have to read it. And so I learned as a child where the books in the Bible were, how many of them there were, where to find them in the Bible. And, and there's value in that. It's becoming familiar with the Word of God. Let me tell you something, and there's no, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about this, okay? You're, not, you're only going to go so far in your walk with Christ if you don't regularly get the Word of God in you. And while I'm glad that you get it here, I mean, I'm, we're committed to teaching the Word of God when you're in church. That's part of it. That's good. But that's secondhand information, that's from God to me to you. And then God may speak to you through that. Absolutely. But you need to be getting firsthand. God wants to speak to you, and he'll speak to you through his word. You want to know how to overcome sin? Psalm 119.11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Now, I think scripture memory is a great, a great way to do some of that. But I'll also tell you, I'm not, I have a lot of the word in me that I don't have word for word memorized. Why? Because I, I, over a lifetime, I've been in the word, I'm familiar enough with the word that something can come up and I can, I can tell you, oh, you know, the word says this. I may not be able to quote the verse and, the, and, the, and where it's from, but I know enough of it that I can tell you because the word gets in you the more you, you invite it in. And you're not going to defeat a lot of those things in your life until you're regularly getting the Word of God into your life. Now, there's different ways you can do it. My suggestion, I'm just going to tell you, you might say, well, that preacher's old school. I might be. I don't care. I would suggest getting a physical Bible that, that, that's your go-to, that every day you get in and read some of the Word of God. Oh, I ain't got time for that. You ain't got time for 10 verses? You don't have, I mean, come on. Get in there. And you know, there's something about it. At first, it's going to be like, well, okay. But the more you get the word in you, the more alive it will become. And the more you will crave it. And you'll get to a point, if you're doing it regularly, that when you don't get the word of God in a certain day, it's like you skipped breakfast. You got to have it. You got to get the word. The best defense. You know what Jesus did? When Satan came and tempted him? For every temptation, you know what he did? He quoted scripture as a response and as a defense. 
Your greatest defense against temptation and those things you struggle with is the Word of God. And you've got to get it in you. And now, you know what? All right, that's my first, uh, that's my suggestion is that you spend some time every day, preferably at the beginning of the day, to get in the Word. Open up and read, well, where do I start? Well, start with the Gospel of Mark or start with Acts or Romans or something like that. And, and I don't care about volume. Don't come bragging to me about, man, you know, I read 14 chapters today. I got up at 4 o'clock in the morning. Hey, that's awesome. Great. What'd you hear? What'd you get out of it? How did God speak? Sometimes I'll just read till God speaks to me. And then I just kind of let that get a hold of me. So read when you're reading, listen. You know, I know it's easy to kind of let your mind even wander when you're reading and get to the end and not even know what you read. But let me tell you something. We need to read it with the attention that we would give to somebody that we're in love with. You know, you're fine. you know that first fate where you, oh my goodness, I'm in love. You're just you're, you're gone. And they send you a text or you know, I guess probably not an email. Maybe they would. And man, when you're in love, you can't wait to open that up and read it and find out what's going on in their life. You need to give that kind of focus to the Word of God. But you've got to be in the Word. That's how you learn more about who He is, and that's how more of who He is gets in you, is that you have a time of prayer. Your prayer time can be any time. I don't care if it's when you're driving to work. Turn the music off and talk to God or the sports radio, or whatever it is you listen to. Just talk to him. You ain't got to talk in, man, when I grew up, I thought you had to speak a certain kind of language. Because when the men in my church got up to preach when I was a kid, they all spoke King James. Y'all remember, any y'all old enough to remember that? They'd speak thou and thy, and I'd be like, dude, man, I got to learn how to talk, to pray. But that's just, they were used to that in the word, and that was their way, and that was good. But you just talk however you talk. Come before God. You know what you do? First, talk about how good he is. God, thank you for doing this. Be thankful first. You want a recipe? Think about 10 things that you can thank God for. And then you know what? If you got, if you got some, talk about things that are on your mind or on your heart that are bothering you, that you're concerned about. And then maybe just Listen. See if God wants to say something back to you. And then talk about whatever you want. Paul said, pray without ceasing. God, did you see that guy pull out in front of me? Have a conversation with God. Now, once you do that, and the more you do that, then you get to the secret and Paul talks about it, and they all talk about it, about letting the Holy Spirit guide you. That's where your strength comes from, your power, your knowledge. He sent the Spirit to lead us and teach us, guide us in all things. And you know, the thing about the Spirit is, Jesus said it was better that he leaves. He said it would be better for you that I not be here in person so that the Spirit could come. Now, I still have a hard time, because, man, there's times I just like to have Jesus in front of me. So I could just ask a couple questions. Like, Lord, you know, what, what is going on in the world? What do I need to do? What do we need to be ready for? 
Are the Cowboys ever going to win another Super Bowl? I don't know. <laughs> Depends on how long the conversation went. But sometimes I think I just like to have him in front of me. But you know what he said? It's better to have the Holy Spirit in you. So how do, how do you get the Holy Spirit? Ephesians 5.18, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. That's the sermon for another day. I ain't going there today. But there it is. I always try to read the whole verse, not just part of it. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that word be filled with, it's not like a, hey, you get full one time and you're good. It's a constant filling of the Holy Spirit. You know how you get filled with the Holy Spirit? By drawing near to God. The more and the closer you get to God, the more the Holy Spirit you're going to get. And so then what? Then it says in Galatians 5, 16 through 18, so I say let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under the obligation to the law of Moses. When you're under the Spirit and you're guided by the Spirit, how do you get to that? By trusting God and by seeking Him in all things. Something comes up at work or at school or whatever, God, what, what should I do here? And let the Spirit guide you. And the more you know of the Word of God and the closer you are to God, the more tools the Spirit has to teach you, to lead you, and to guide you. And the more concerned you are about pleasing God than you are about pleasing yourself or your sinful desires, the more the Spirit wins those battles in your heart. Let the Spirit guide your lives. Now, this comes down to, to something that, that, that's still hard for us. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. You know, the more you draw near to God and the more filled you are with the Spirit of God, the more that works itself out. You know, the answer, you want to know how to have more patience? Draw near to God. Be filled with the Spirit. You want to know how to have more love? Draw near to God. Be filled with the Spirit. The more you read about how much God loves you, the more it causes you to love other people. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's not something, I'm going to love people. Man, I'm telling you I'm going to love people today. I'm going to love them so hard. It'll never work. Because you ain't got enough willpower, enough love in you to do that. The key is the more, you, the more you draw near to God and the more you realize what love really is. God is love. And the more you get to him, the more that comes out. Peace, same thing. Patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness. And then that last one, self-control. It is a fruit of the Spirit. You see, instead of setting aside all God, I'm going to stop doing all these things. Now, I'm not saying you just put the, stop focusing on that and focus on following God 
and on knowing him. Instead of tomorrow, man, I'm not doing this, I'm not doing this. Think tomorrow, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get in the word for a little bit. I'm going to start my day off by talking to God. And I'm going to talk to him throughout the day. And you know what? When, when God speaks to me through his word, when something kind of jumps out at me, I'm going to think about that during the day when I don't have anything else to think about. When I can. I'm going to ask God about it. I'm going to have a discussion with him. I'm going to have a conversation. And I'm going to listen. And you know what? You focus on that. And before you know it, those temptations come up and boom, you blow right by them. Because you, you don't overcome sin by being determined to overcome sin. You overcome sin by being determined to follow God and know him. And the power of his resurrection. Every day. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we're living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. You get to a situation that day, you're not sure how to react or what to do. How about just, you know that prayer without ceasing? You ain't, you ain't got to, there's no length. Say, God, I don't know what to do right here. Guide me. Before long, you're going to find that things that used to make you angry Somebody comes in and they react with anger, and you're like, man, I don't So our, our nature says react with anger back. But when we're guided by the Spirit, we're like, God, there's something, something going on in their life. Guide me. Help me. So I can help them. When, when the Spirit guides us, it's pleasing to God. And the fruits of the Spirit come out in our lives. So instead of saying, man, I'm, I, these are all the things I'm not going to do, be determined to know God more. To know him more. See, it's a, it's a relationship. That's what God's called us into. He didn't call us into following a list of do's and don'ts. When he says the list of don'ts, saying, hey, don't get hurt. These are things that can hurt you. But he's calling us into a relationship with him. And you know what? The more, the more passionately you follow Christ and the more you, you learn to love him and his love comes into you, the, the easier it is to do the things that please him. Now, you're still not going to be perfect at it. Nobody is. And Paul talks about that in Philippians 3, 12 through 14. He says, look, I, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things, or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. You know, Paul had this vision of, of running, and at the end of his run, there was Jesus. He wasn't going to break a ribbon or get a medal. He was going to hear from Jesus. 
And you know, when we were, those of us were parents or when we were kids, you know, our, our parents would, when they were trying to get us to walk, they started encouraging, hey, come, come here, come here. And man, when, we, when they take those two or three steps, we celebrate it. And we love on them. And then we give them a little bit farther to walk. And that's what our Heavenly Father does for us. He's there when we fall. And he picks us up and tells us, hey, it's all right, come on. Walk to me. See, as a parent, you don't, you don't start your kids out, turn them in another direction. They walk over there. You tell them to walk to you. And, and that's a reflection of God's character, I believe, in us. Is, is we all instinctively know to do that. You don't have to read that in Dr. Spock's book of child rearing. You just know. You know what? That's the way God is with us. You remember what he said? Come, talk to me. Come. That's the invitation. So here's the thing. Yeah, there's situations we need to stay out of. We went through a lot of that last week. But the most important thing is, man, you know, I'm going to, this week, I'm going to focus on following him. I'm going to focus on hearing his voice. I'm going to focus on, on speaking to him about the things that are going on in my life instead of just stewing on them and getting mad about them. Instead of wondering. Because you know what it also, when, when you lay those things at his feet, a peace that passes understanding will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. But we got to move towards him. You know, <laughs> it sounds kind of trite, but the answer to your questions really is Jesus. The answer to how to, what to do, how to get there, how to live a certain way, the answer is Jesus. We need more of him. And you know what? God gave us this great opportunity that we could know him. You know, it's not about doing stuff. You know what God said about the Jews? And they, had, they were doing the, the ceremonies. They were um, making the sacrifices. They were following the laws of the Sabbath. They were doing all these things. And he said, you know what the deal is with these folks? They, they've done all these things, but they don't know my ways. They don't know me. See, when you know somebody's ways... You know them. You know them. Because you've come to know them or you've grown to know them. And so that's what God invites us to do is to know him. And the more we know him, the clearer decisions become. Now, I'm not saying you'll know everything up front, but you'll see clearly, you know, that... that I, I maybe can't even put my finger on exactly why, but that just doesn't seem right. 
And you'll be able to see things that come up. And sometimes you'll know exactly, no, you know what, that's not something God would honor. That's not something God would call me to. The more you know him, the more you know his ways. And the clearer direction becomes and life becomes. It's really that simple. Know Jesus. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes, please? For all of us, that begins in that moment when we choose to trust Jesus and begin a relationship with him. And so I want to give anyone here that does not have a relationship with Christ the opportunity to know him. And so here's how it starts. A, you got to admit that you're a sinner. Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so we got to admit that we're sinners and ask forgiveness of our sins. And the Bible tells us that when we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. B is you got to believe in Jesus. See, our sin separated us. And the fact is that the wages of sin is death. It says that in Romans as well. And somebody had to pay the penalty for my sins and for your sins. And the one that did that is Jesus. Jesus was not just some guy. He's God's son. He lived a life without sin so that he could pay the penalty, the cost of my sin and your sin. He died on the cross for those sins and rose on the third day so that we might have life and be set free. The third thing, C, is you got to confess Jesus as Lord. You don't get to come to Christ and begin a relationship and say, hey, I, I want to be saved, but I want to do it my way. That's not how it works. You come and you confess him as Lord. And I know you're thinking, I'm not, I don't. There's so many areas in my life you don't know about. I, I don't, I, I'm, I'm afraid I'll fail. Everybody's that way and you will fail. When you come to Christ, you got to confess him to the Lord. And so here's the thing. If you'd like to know Jesus, if you'd like to know that your sins are forgiven, that you're in relationship with him, that it's begun, and that you'll always be with him throughout eternity, I want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. It's a prayer of salvation. I'll lead you in it. Just pray it in your heart. You can repeat it after me. If you'd rather pray in your own words, that's fine. But if that's you, I want you to pray this with me right now. Dear Father, thank you for loving me and thank you for Jesus. God, I know I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. Come in my heart and life and cleanse me. I believe Jesus is your son. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose on the third day. So today, I trust Jesus as my Savior and confess Him as my Lord. Now, I want to tell you, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, it doesn't say you might be saved, could be, would be. It says you will be saved. You are saved. And so without anybody looking around, I'm going to ask you to do one thing. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to call you out. 
But if you prayed that prayer today in a minute, I just want you to look up at me because I want to pray for you in just a moment. Just look up at me and keep looking until I see you. Okay? All right. See you. Okay. So I want to pray for you. I want to pray for all of us. You know, I know it sounds kind of abstract about, well, how can I really know God? But it's really not. It's, it's simply hearing his word. The Bible is his revelation of who he is to us. And it's of coming to him to talk with him. And so it sounds kind of out there, but it's really not. It's simple. The enemy wants to try to tell you you can't do it. He doesn't want you getting to know Jesus more. He doesn't want you to experience the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. So I want to pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for those that, that have come to faith in you today. And Lord, thank you for allowing us to be a part of their spiritual journey. Thank you for their new commitment and their relationship with you. And Father, I pray that along with all of us that that relationship would grow in knowledge and in truth. And that, Father, we would come to know you better, that we would wake every, up every day and begin our day with you. That we would live in fellowship with you. And Father, help us, Lord, to, to read your word, to hear your voice, to speak with you. Father, we thank you that we have, through Jesus and by your spirit, the ability to do that. And Lord, we pray and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. You can find links to topics and scriptures discussed in this episode by looking at the show notes. You can find more information online at greenwood.church. If you have any questions or comments, please send an email to info at greenwoodbc.com.